Good morning. Welcome to St. Saviors on a Sunday morning. You've been persevering through lockdown. I've been speaking with many of you, praying with, with some of you. And I just want to say you're doing extraordinarily well. Carry on. Support each other. Keep praying for each other. Pick up the phone if you're thinking of somebody. Let's do this together. We're doing so well. You know, we've been, we've been doing this season of discipleship. You know, since I've begun here, we've been talking about discipleship, uh, discipleship issues of all kinds, prayer, listening to the Holy Spirit. We're in this season of listening and, and understanding what God wants for us now and in the future. And, and my expectation is in the new year, we will launch some really great uh, things in this church but it needs to be out of what the Holy Spirit is calling us to. And so we're spending this time as a church listening and understanding and doing discipleship, which is as much about our individual lives as it is about the life of the church family. It's with that in mind that I want to talk about financial stewardship, giving to the church. It's a key area of discipleship. And I think this part of 2 Corinthians, this letter, is really helpful for understanding what the motivation is in the life of the church. Now, when the letter was written, you know, people did give money in a charitable way in the Roman Empire. But it was rich people giving money to build big buildings and bridges and sponsor festivals. And all in the mindset that this was to honor them, that, that it was about getting recognition for what they were doing. And the amazing thing here is that Paul's gently cutting across that and saying, actually, money, when it comes to faith, when it comes to the church, something different going on. You know, he uses this word, charis, gift. And it's the, it's the same root word from which we get charismatic, which is our gifts of the Holy Spirit, whether it's a gift of of prophecy or speaking in tongues. What Paul is saying is that the giving of money to the church is the giving of a blessing, of a gift, in the same way that speaking in tongues, interpreting, prophesying in the Holy Spirit, in the same way that that builds up the life of the church. You know, it's sometimes been said to me in the past by friends or parishioners, you know, Rob, I just, I, I want to give. I, I want to give money to the church, but we're just, we're just, you know, we're struggling at the moment. You know, our family just budget, budgeting is an issue. And, and, and how about this? Look, uh, you know, I do arts and crafts with the kids on a Sunday. I will I'll, I'll pay for those materials. I'll go out and buy them. I'll resource them. And, and I'll give my time. And you know what? God really honors that. God rejoices in that kind of gift quite clearly. But sometimes I worry when I hear that, and I'll tell you why. Because what it says to me is that people still have parts of their lives that they want to hold on to, that they want to control. They still have parts of their lives maybe that they're not so keen on sharing openly with God. They have these private areas, and ain't, ain't nobody going to tell them what to do with their money least of all God. You know, I, I come from a position where I value these other gifts. Of course I do.
But it isn't good if we're trying to control our gifts. You know, there is this kind of danger also in giving. And I don't know if you've come across this, but the kind of giving that that Paul wasn't fond of that sometimes we see today, the giving to be noticed or recognized, uh, the giving to, you know, things that we think are important in the life of the church. Let me tell you a story. I I was sitting in a in a PCC meeting some years ago and we were trying to figure out how to how to fix the budget. You know, we had a budget shortfall and um, we had all these missions going on in church and and um, we and we <laughs> we had two thousand pounds sitting in a designated fund that we could not touch, and that, and that money was for the organ. It was to service the organ because there was a kind, lovely lady who many years before had been part of the church, and she just loved organ music. And she thought, you know, I want future generations to benefit from organ music in the life of the church in the way that I did, and so. She gave money and she said, I, I only want this money to be used to service the organ. And we sat in that PCC trying to figure out how we were going to pay for the heating that winter. We had to go back to the church and say, look, guys, we're sorry. We're go- if you're going to use the church in the week and we had Bible studies meeting in church during the week. If you're going to use a church during the week, please don't turn the heat on people say, well, don't we have money? And I said, well, yes and no. Kind of. <laughs> we, there is money. We're not allowed to touch it. And the sad irony is that, you know, all of us on PCC now know her name because her name was attached to the fund. And I tend to think that's not probably really what she wanted in the end. She wanted to provide something good, but in the end, because she maintained control over that giving, the church wasn't able to benefit and grow, perhaps in the way that the Holy Spirit wanted it to grow. But you know something? God is good. And we went back to the church and we said, look, this is our problem. And people gave just enough to keep the heat on. And so Bible groups carried on. People kept meeting in the church. Our cafe carried on. Mission, outreach, worship, it was all possible because people's money was there. Now, Cam and I have sat down and talked about our giving, and we prayed about it, and we've come up with a number that we feel God has asked us to give. And so we are giving that amount to this church. And we have done that in the churches previous that we've worked in. You know, my encouragement is to you, you don't have to guess. Ask God. He'll tell you. You know, he'll tell you. Take it to him in prayer. Say, Lord, what amount of money do you want me to give to this church family? And I guarantee you, he will tell you. And he will provide. You know, uh, Cam and I didn't always give regularly. I I can think of the churches that we were part of, and I think, yep, we didn't give a dime uh, to those churches. And I think back to why, I mean, churches we loved, churches we loved being part of. And I think back to the challenge that we had. I was a student in divinity school, and, you know, we were really humming and hawing over expenditures. And, 
you know, who's going to pay for this? And, and, you know, well, we're at a church where there are other wealthy families. Can't they give money? You know, let them give money. It's okay. It's just for a short time in our lives. And um, it's okay. And, you know, we, we, we thought, well, we give money to charity as well. I give, you know, I give money to Help for Heroes, uh, which is a great charity. I think it all, you know, it all comes out in the wash, doesn't it? Well, it was around this time that Cam needed a root canal for which we had no insurance. And a Christian friend, after having heard her situation, said, I want to give you $750, which was the cost of the root canal, a Christian friend. And then Ralph wound up in hospital several times and the bills came in more than we could afford. And the hospital forgave those debts. And we had pediatricians, doctors calling us, Christian doctors, to check on Ralph outside their duty hours, no bill. Same Christmas, we had no money to buy the boys any presents. And I was given a job, part-time job by a Christian during that time, which provided us just enough money to buy presents for the boys. The money just didn't seem to stretch and we couldn't afford a car. My parents, however, also Christian, loaned us a car free of charge. As the boys grew, they outgrew clothes. We had no clothes to replace them with. Again, Christian friends came through, provided clothes in excess. And on and on and on. It felt like God was tearing down every excuse that we had. Like he was saying, let me show you how my love works. I will give first, God says. I will give first. So that you know this is not some kind of contract where you have to do something and then God does something back in return. It's not like walking into a dealership and and haggling over the price of a car and then negotiating for extra things and then complaining six months later because this part broke or that part broke. This is not worldly economics. And churches who operate in this area, I find, generally don't thrive. This is godly economics. God says, I will provide free of charge whatever you need. Not whatever you want, but whatever you need. That's provision. And he adds, my hope for you is that you will live your life with that same reckless love, that sacrificial love. Brothers, for your church family, for your community, and all in the name of Jesus. And however we try and control it, control this gift of money, God comes back time and again and says, no, this is how I give. I give by going to the cross. I give by taking the first step so that you don't have to. God gives by founding the church. God gives by 
building up the disciples, the apostles, the saints. God gives by healing, by giving gifts through the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's no end to his giving, all without contract. And I hope, this is me speaking, I hope that you will give to your church family, whether this is your church family or whether your church family is somewhere else in Bath. You know, you need to decide where your church family is. That should be where your giving is. But no strings attached. Now, I'm happy to tell you where this money goes. I don't want to keep any secrets. And you have, if you have more questions about expenditures of the church, we will be happy as leadership to talk to you about that. We don't want there to be any secrets. As a church, we pay £52,000 a year in parish share. This is used by the Church of England to pay stipends for clergy, to help poor churches survive. And the Church of England pays my stipend, which is £27,220 a year. The Church of England provides a house for me and my family to live in, and I share the cost of upkeep of that house with the Church of England. As a church, we are paying for the remainder of the hub project, which is nearly complete. The expenditure is nearly complete. We have £24,000 left to pay. The diocese from whom we've taken out a loan to pay for that has agreed that we pay 12000 this year and we can pay the remaining 12000 by end of next year. We pay for two part-time staff workers, Rachel, who is our youth worker, and Mandy, who is our administrator. Now, I understand that some of us are probably tired of being asked for money. I get that. And I also understand that there's some anxiety about money in the church. So let me just say this. I have never seen a church lack for resources when it decides to actively engage in the mission of Jesus Christ. I've never seen a church go bust when it's answering God's call through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, that calling, we got to get that right. And that's what we're listening for in this season. As we set up life groups, as we pray in the church on Tuesdays, all of that is about listening to God, listening to what he's doing in our life, and listening to what he's doing in the life of the church and what he wants us to commit to in the community, in the name of Jesus. Now, from my experience, God also doesn't provide much of an excess. He's not going to fill our coffers with huge reserves, but he will bless a church that steps out in a sacrificial way, in faith. He will bless a church that is serious about taking the gospel to the community. I've seen it happen. He will bless a church that puts Jesus at the center of everything it does, at the center of every conversation, at the center of every meeting, at the center of every mealtime, at home with families. We have got to get serious about putting Jesus in the center of everything that we do in every part of who we are. 
It's so important. Some of you may be surprised when you see God's provision. I hope so. I don't think he'll do it through big checks or grants. And from my experience, he does it through the pennies and not the pounds. But he does do it through lots of folks, not one or two, but lots of people. Now, I'm not going to tell you what to give. It's not my place. It is not my place. But I am asking you to have a conversation with God. Have that conversation. Ask him. Don't ask me. What I have found is that when it comes to money issues in our personal lives, we're actually talking discipleship. In other words, there is real spiritual growth when we give up holding on to that control, which is often around money. Some of you will be wrestling with debt. I know that. I've been there. Let's talk about it. Come and talk to me. You know, what I want to see for God is to fix your finances. What I don't want to see happen is for people to be anxious about their finances or anxious about giving to the church. It doesn't have to be that way. But at the end of the day, we do have to be honest. Okay? If this is discipleship, we have got to be honest about all parts of our life. And that's where that conversation with God needs to happen. We are called to be three-dimensional disciples. Living a full life and offering up everything in our lives to God. It's in this way that we so often see God transform through problem areas. And, and changing problem areas into grace areas. And changing curses into blessings. Paul says, see that you excel also in this grace of giving, the same grace that is of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit that's with you already, free of charge. Amen.